0: Hey, Mighty Parents, just a quick correction in today's episode. Our guests were on a prior episode, which I've mentioned a couple of times, and I said it was episode 125. It was actually episode 127. So just wanted to give you a quick heads up. The links are correct in the show notes, but when I'm speaking during the show, gave the wrong one. Sorry about that. This episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by Inward Bound Mindfulness Education. I be me. The staff at IBME knows what mindfulness can do for us, how it can help with deep listening skills, self-awareness, and communication. They also know how it can bring peace and help heal us emotionally. With the heated election season we're experiencing, IBME has created a space for teens and adults to all find a little refuge after the election. A Shelter in the Storm Post Election Refuge Mindfulness Retreats for all ages begins on November 13th. It's an event that you or your teen can attend individually or together. In the retreat, you'll learn skills for sustaining a home practice and bringing more ease and compassion into your life and your relationships. Just visit ibme. IBME.com and click the link on the picture that says Fall Events Are Here to find the All Ages Retreat, or simply click on the link in today's show notes to go directly to the page. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, the podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting podcast, reminding you to like, share, rate, review the podcast so we can get it out to other parents. I know you guys have been doing that, and I appreciate it because that is how we help other parents on their parenting journey. And thank you for joining me today. We're having kind of a follow-up conversation on body image. We kicked off this conversation on episode 125, where we discussed what's happening, how it's impacting our kids, and what parents can do about it. The it being the body image issues that our kids are facing in this world. But Leslie and Zoe, who are our guests, they and I, we wanted to take a deeper dive and dig into the idea of larger body size and what happens there and some of the issues around our thoughts and our culture around that. So Zoe Bisbing and Leslie Block are back. To help us with that, Zoe and Leslie are both adolescent eating disorder psychotherapists and mothers. They are based in New York. They met in grad school and bonded over their dedication to the treatment of eating disorders and body image concerns. And so they have come together to create the Full Bloom Project. And at the Full Bloom Project, they share resources for parents to help them transform their home environment into a place where children can naturally boost their immunity to our appearance-obsessed culture and channel their precious resources toward more more meaningful purposes For example, fully bloom, thus the name Full Bloom Project, which I just love that connection there. So, Zoe, Leslie, welcome back to Mighty Parenting. Thanks for taking the time to come back again. Thanks for having us. We're happy to be back. So, we had a great conversation last time, and not a whole lot has changed in our culture since then, right? So, very few people have a body shape that's ideal, which For women, tends to be, oh, you need to be super thin, but also curvy. Or for guys, you got to have broad shoulders and a six pack abs and narrow hips and have this perfect male shape. And our American culture is hyper critical of larger people, whatever their shape is around that. And so I wanted to really dig into that with you and kind of find out some of the concerns, some of the problems there and what advice you have for us for supporting our kids who maybe have larger bodies.
1: Oh, there's so much. (laughs) Yeah. So pick,
0: pick a piece, you know, so let's, let's do this. Um, you talk about creating a family culture of body positivity and in there we want to value bodies of all shapes and sizes. So if you're a parent of a child who has a larger body, what is the biggest issue that you think we need to be kind of dealing with as a parent in that situation?
1: I think the biggest issue which I most parents kind of intuitively get to um, how they solve it is the next issue but the first issue is really weight- based, bullying and weight stigma, you know, that of course, we don't want our children to feel oppressed, um, or to be oppressed, or to be picked on. Um, We want them to feel good about themselves. And oftentimes, kids in larger bodies will be treated differently. Um, we we know that this is true, and the f- that's extremely distressing for parents and kids, and they're going to be they're going to want to protect their kids from that. Um, we're going to want to protect our kids from that. and we we want to start there with this problem that we can identify, which is, oh my gosh, my child may not be treated fairly.. Um, Because the way that our society generally treats individuals in larger bodies, which is unfairly, um, and what do we do about that? And the first place people usually think is, well, let me help them, you know, let me help them change their body a little bit, doesn't usually come out that way. Let me help them try to get healthier, try to to lose a little bit of weight, perhaps. to, 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 to be protected from that, to have that not happen. And that's generally where we start to, to try to help parents from choosing that solution to this problem. Um, we want to move in and try to really, really support the child. To- Actually, I'm
0: going to interrupt you for just one second because sure. I want to, I want to just address that for a moment. Yeah. Or we talk about what we can do because that is so important. I, and I there may be other things too, but the first thought that came to me was that if our if the parent is coming to the kid and going, Well, let me help you get healthier, let me help you lose weight, that is going to impact that child dramatically. I would think from an emotional standpoint that the person who they expect to love the most in the world is pointing out this major flaw they have is, is how it's going to feel to them. And and then you're going to get into the feelings of I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Even my parents think fill in the blank. Yes. 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 And so while you said, you know, yeah, as a parent, all we're trying to do is to help them, to help them be healthy, to protect them from something, our method of doing that can actually be part of the problem. And so now tell me what I can do instead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Zoe, do you want to elaborate on any piece of that?
0: Yeah. I mean,
2: I, I'm, I think even before we talk about what do you do? we really can't stress enough how intuitive, how from a place of love this is coming from most parents. Um, Whether it's a parent that is proactively saying, honey, I want to talk to you about your weight, which to your point, Sandy, can be very damaging. Um, or if it's because a parent is really doing everything they can to be very body neutral at home, not talking about bodies, and then their child in a larger body is crying because they're being picked on or comes and says, you know, mommy, am I fat? Which by the way is the title of, I think our most popular episode. <laughs> um, and then that parent whose heart breaks because who, like your heart breaks when your child isn't smiling and when their your child isn't Connecting and isn't being included, you know. So I I don't think we can even stress enough how much compassion we have for parents um, of all, of course, of all children, but particularly of children in some kind of marginalized body, because parents are in this really sticky place where we do want to we do want to help them. We want to get to this question that you're asking. Well, what can we do? But a lot of our um, efforts, while coming from a good place, Are right, you know, unfortunately uh, not so helpful. And we've actually talked to a researcher who found that, and Leslie, correct me if I've got it wrong, but that the parents that sort of perpetuate weight stigma in their own homes have higher incidence of having been affected by weight stigma themselves. So there can be this sort of intergenerational transmission of this as well. Um, And again, you know, it's coming perhaps more so from a place of I would like to protect my child in the way that I wasn't protect, protected. Um, but, but then we're at this crossroads of, okay, well, then what do you do? Um, but I, I want us to just really make that very clear that we get that whatever you've done, <laughs> whoever's listening, um, we want to maybe give you some new ideas, but we have no judgment and we are not here to shame or blame anybody for any well-meaning efforts of, you know, parenting.
0: I absolutely, yes. (laughs) Because we've all done all kinds of things. And this is part of Mighty Parenting is there is no such thing as a perfect parent. The only thing that we can do is continue showing up, continue learning, and let go of our guilt. There are many decisions I've made in my kids 20 years that I would do very differently now. I do very differently just from starting this podcast and learning all I've learned. And it's interesting what you talked about with the generational piece, cause I know that I've seen that in both directions. So, you know, I've seen where a parent has struggled with weight and then they have a child who also does, is gonna struggle with weight and the parents are, like said, very worried about that. But also the other way around too where a child has a, a naturally lean body and a, you know, a metabolism that makes it easy to stay thin and the parents in, encourage that and praise that. And that becomes that value item. Like we talked about in episode 125. Um, and so there are different things to watch out for within that. And, and just as you guys teach to create that, that body neutral household, hopefully, but, but yeah, what, so, what is it that we can do? Because we are all well-meaning. So just like we talked about in the last episode, we talked about, okay, so here are ways that we can have conversations. And these are some, some ways we want to be speaking. What can we do here to support our child who has a larger body?
1: I think first we can really validate that bodies come in very, very diverse sizes and there's nothing wrong with their body and validate that, validate that, validate that. And second, um, work on really, really helping them develop their social skills and their sense of how, how do I strengthen my relationships with others? Um, and how do I be able to say, No to people who aren't treating me well, and yes to people who are, Um, and that's—I mean—it really, really starts with very, very strong social skills. We we have learned that um, individuals in larger bodies need extra, extra strong social skills, and so we want to start there. You know that if there's any kind of um, intervention, so to speak, it's really, really helping kids with their social skills. Um, The second one is stress management. Um, These individuals, unfortunately, are likely to experience um, more stress uh, because of the stigma. And so stress management skills, relaxation training, um, sleep, um, movement that they love for this Stress relief and you're a stress <laughs> reduction coach. It sounds, you know, so any yes. of your mm-hmm. techniques and listening to you is extra, extra important because stress has a huge impact on health, right? So we kind of get a double whammy there, which is if we can really, really help our kids understand how to manage stress in words that make sense to them and techniques that they can really use. Then we're helping their health out tremendously, and we're also helping them be resilient um, to all of the stress that is likely to come their way.
0: yes, i you're right. You know there are different reasons for movement. And one other thing I would add then, if you're you're looking at that uh, component is to teach our kids emotional skills, help them learn how to process their emotions. And we had a great episode on that was episode 103 with Jude Bijou. So parents can listen to that. And and I love that. Yes, we're we're trying to solve a problem, but this is a very holistic approach. And these are the same life skills that all of us need. Yes. So yes. even, you know, as a parent, maybe we don't have one of these skills. We can talk to our kids about learning it together. We can say, you know, I know we're both dealing with a lot of stress. Let's look at some ways that we can manage that. Or, you know, I realize that I just, I'm not getting outside at all. And I really need to do that just. To feel good, to feel better, would you be interested in and in, you know, try and pick an activity that you think that they would like to do with you, whether it's walking around the block or taking the dog outside to play or going for a casual bike ride, but whatever. I, I love that it's um, kind of a very holistic look at what's happening. Mm-hmm. and And that movement really should
2: always have some kind of component of joy. Um, that movement for the sake of changing your body shape is not only, it's just a bad idea (laughs) in part because it doesn't stick. Like that is not what motivates people ultimately to stick with movement. And also it's debatable whether or not movement even changes the, the body. I think this is where we could maybe talk a little bit about genetics and also the, 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 the weight science piece of it all, which is important for parents to understand that intentional weight loss efforts, even when it's like, oh, well, if I could just, you know, help my kids shrink their body just a little bit, they could feel less stigma, feel less oppression. I'll do anything, you know, particularly for that parent. We all need to really understand that the science says that 95% of those kinds of efforts those kinds of diets for intentional weight loss don't work when you look over the course of five years or more and that the five percent of people that that do have quote weight loss success often have a sort of side effect of an eating disorder or some kind of disordered eating so one of the sort of fundamentals to really get as a parent and then to hopefully transmit to your kid although, our kids are bombarded with messages that are going to tell them to the contrary, just from our diet culture, but intentional weight loss, again, just to change the appearance of your body. It, it, they're not, they're not, um, it's not, it's not possible without over time becoming what we call a weight cycler and ultimately gaining back more weight than you've lost in the first place. So, we really want to come at this exactly like what Leslie's saying, from the understanding that what you want to work on is the social piece and the sort of um, um, the emotional resilient piece of it all, but also coming from a place of, you know, science that says also weight loss efforts that might be appealing to you because you might think, oh, this is the this is the answer. This will help actually won't and I think that's a really hard one for a lot of adults to get behind because our 70 billion dollar diet industry has sold us a very different message
1: I also just want to step in and, and extra kind of be extra compassionate for this dilemma because I certainly have in my practice and work more and more so with parents who their doctors have unfortunately recommended weight loss for their child. And this is not a phenomenon that does not happen every single day in many doctors' offices. Right now, we do have very, very strong weight science and we do have a lot of money going into research, researching how do we help people lose weight? Because that, that right now is a, is a, a very popular thing to fund, um, and something that our, our, a a big portion of our, um, of research is focused on. Um, and despite all of that, we still really don't have any answer, um, anything that's, that someone could prescribe that someone could follow. And this is where, I like to share with parents, I mean, it's it's very scary to be a parent and have your doctor tell you to do something and to question that. Um, And we are really trying to support parents in that dilemma. Like, what do you do then? This is just like, if you went to the doctor and your doctor said this to you, what would you do? And my best recommendation is to really ask the doctor, how, can you please show me the research as to like, what, what i can do to make this prescription happen um and let the doctors struggle with that um, for you because you are when a doctor gives you that prescription you're left to struggle with that and figure that out on your own and you don't have access to all the weight science that we do that the doctor does and the doctor ultimately learns a lot from that process which is Oh, oh my gosh, I'm giving a, a prescription to something, you know, that, that this person can't do right now. So it it's a good thing for our whole industry for and our medical system for parents to just ask simply, how do you recommend I do that? Show me the evidence.
0: So I just wanted to, to ask a little question here. So what you're saying though, is really it's a two-part thing how do you suggest I do that? And could you please show me some research or some evidence? Right. Because I, I, I could imagine the doctor going, well, just, you know, watch what you eat and move more.
1: Right. Right. It's the, it's the evidence piece that you really want to get them to explain to you because there isn't any evidence. And if they come up with something, I encourage the parent to look into it themselves, you know, so that they can find that way. Although it's just exhausting as a parent to have to do that. It's very, it's a very frustrating thing for a parent um, to go through. And I really, really want to just be with that because many, many parents are getting this prescription and what what do they do with it you know um and hopefully they're listening to this podcast and they're they're finding a community that supports them to do something a little bit differently and finding all the evidence based on connecting to our website and the resources you have to help them feel empowered to say i'm not going to go that way you know this is clearly not I have a 5% chance of having this work, um, which is kind of a crazy thing. I always say if this was, if the FDA pat if this was a drug, you know, and it went to the FDA, it would never be passed. It wouldn't be allowed to be prescribed, but yeah. it's just diet culture that, you know, that allows that prescription. And it seems so easy. Um, So I just really, the point is like, I really want to empathize with parents that are in this dilemma right now, a doctor delivering them that recommendation. And I still believe the answer is stress management and the social and emotional support. We see that um, there's a really wonderful resource by Ellen Satter, who has a book Um, about helping without harming when you when you're told your child is overweight Um, she has really great resources for this and one of the one of the biggest pieces of what kids are going through sometimes when we do see their weight kind of jump off their curve their genetic kind of growth curve Um, is related to stress. And so if we can really support the stress management, then we may see that the the child return to their curve um, in in a much kind of more compassionate, sustainable place that they're just really actually targeting the stress and it has nothing to do with their weight or their eating.
0: No, that's interesting. And we'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes to make sure that people can get that. And so I had one other common situation. You mentioned doctor's offices. Uh, What about other well-meaning voices, whether it's a family member or a gym instructor, but another well-meaning voice who is trying to weigh in on this? Do you have suggestions for how we might be able to one, use our social skills to gracefully appreciate but decline their help. More importantly, two, in that situation, how can we support our teen in that moment?
2: Yeah, I mean, we. this is where the skills around um, being able to be assertive come in and and we we actually did a whole episode on this. Our, our thrust was how to talk to your kids' doctors, but this could totally be translated to, um, for a teen, how to basically advocate for yourself in a different situation with a different person um, or certainly a young adult. And what there's of course the kind of category of like what you can say, but then there's the category of what you may need to practice um, in order to interpersonally um, communicate most effectively, because these are these are uncomfortable situations, whether it's the parent trying to intervene or a young adult on their own or a teen on their own. I mean, this is really tough and it is much sort of, I don't wanna say easier, but kind of, it's kind of easier just to take it and listen and, and then just feel bad about yourself. Um, But there are uh, skills that we would definitely recommend people practice so that when these moments happen where there's an interaction like this, people have some experience and sort of a a little muscle memory around how to describe, you know, what's not okay about what's happening, um, you know, be able to establish some kind of boundary and be able to um, stick up for themselves. we, we definitely have talked about the importance of parents being able to uh, make requests of the important people in their children's lives, whether, like I said, a doctor or a teacher, gym teacher, health teacher. Um, and I think when we talked about it on another episode, we did, we sort of recognize that there are certain battles you pick and certain ones you don't. And um, if you can have an open conversation with your kids about this. Like if you have a kid that's coming to you to tell you about this, that's already like half the half the victory that you have that open communication and connection that's making room for that. Um, but you definitely want to be able to help kids build those assertiveness training skills so that they can notice when something doesn't feel right to them and say something rather than internalize it as, oh my gosh, there must be something wrong with me."
0: I love that. I I think that that's great. And um, I appreciate that. And is there anything else big that we missed before we wrap up here?
1: So I wanted to just add as a more concrete recommendation for parents with kids in larger bodies to specifically ahead of time, pull their doctor aside and say, could you please not make any comments about my child's weight in front of them?" Um, just if you have to take their weight and please don't have the nurses or anyone say anything. And this is why. What we've learned in research is if a doctor um, comes to see a child who's in a larger body and says to them, "Great, you're like you're you know checked out, great well visit, see you next year. versus kid in same body says, okay, here's your, here's your weight, we're plotting it on the graph, you're in the overweight category, period, nothing else, that that child, the child in the first scenario will go on to show stronger health outcomes than the child in the second scenario, same child, same body, just the word overweight has an impact on their health behaviors. So at the bottom, like, At the very basic level, you can share this information with your doctor if they question you, but just ask them, please, all of your staff, do not make a comment about my child's weight aside from, that's the number, putting it in the chart.
0: That's really interesting. And is there a link to that study that we can share in the show notes?
1: Yes. There's a link and there's also an interview with one of the researchers on that study who
0: explains it a little bit more. Okay. So we'll um, make sure that we get that. And I'll put that into the show notes for today's show so that yeah. parents have that. Cause sometimes you just, you need, feel like you need somebody at your back and yeah. a medical is establishment and learning to navigate that can be very challenging. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate everything you guys have shared with us today, just kind of in a nutshell, what I'm hearing is if our child is a person in a larger body that we want to do a more holistic approach. We want to work on their social skills, their stress management skills, and to validate that they are good. Their body is good. They are fine. And that, um, We want to make sure that we are supporting them from an emotional standpoint through this because we know here at Mighty Parenting what stress and guilt and trauma does to our children and to their overall health. So um, helping them do that and then finding, like you said, those kinds of movements that are about fun and connection and joy. If you're thinking, oh, my kid needs to go join the track team. No, maybe they just need to to spend time, you know, if they with their best friend or or with you or as a family, doing family activities together that you all enjoy and focus on that connection and improve their health that way, and then see what happens um, from from a weight standpoint. But not to push and also to be careful. One thought that I did have during all this is it can be very easy to start manipulating. Go, well, I'm not saying anything. But I'm going to start organizing and maneuvering their life. And manipulation isn't a good idea either because our kids will feel that, as as we said earlier, and feel like, oh, now this is what my parent thinks of me. So thank you both for joining me today. And would you please share your website so parents who want more can find you?
1: Yes, we're at fullbloomproject.com, and our podcast can be found Anywhere you get your podcasts at Full Bloom Podcast.
0: So thank you. And thank you, Mighty Parents, for being here today. Absolutely love having this community. Remember that we have our Facebook group for you to get more community, as well as more information at MightyParenting.com. Remember, if you're here, if you're listening, you are a Mighty Parent. You've got this. And I will see you next week.
3: Say this with truthfulness um, that I am with you on this journey.
0: I appreciate that. And partly because you just went to this honest place of I love you. And no matter what our beliefs, whether we are totally fine with this or whether we have serious issues with it or we believe that there's a moral issue around it regardless of any of that, you do still love your child. And so just going to that place with them in that moment. And then, like you said, just be in that moment. Don't freak out and worry about all the future. Just being there. Um, I never thought about it before, but I I think that just staying there and going, I appreciate you talking to me. I appreciate our relationship, your bravery, and I love you. And just being in that can really help set the stage for figuring out how to move forward or actually moving forward with your child in whatever that looks like for your family.
3: Mm, yeah. And I and I think um, that it's, it's almost like this gift that they're giving us of self-disclosure. It's almost like any other time that our child has come to us with something complex. And I would say all parents have this experience of a child coming home from school and something not having gone well. You know, and so we use the same skills that we used way back then in this um, experience that you and I are talking about here, Sandy. We, we listen we pay attention with our body language. We, we, um, we look them in the face and um, put an inquiring, loving expression on our face. And if we do need to you know, go that bit further and to support them further, we can ask the question, um, what do you need from me? Mm. They, may, they may need nothing. They may have um, had a good number of years where this has been part of their identity and their life and they are coming to tell us now. So they may not may need nothing. But they they may need something from us. They may say, look, I'm actually um I've been bullied terribly at college or at work because of this and I I just need to talk to someone who's got my back like we don't know what their needs are and I think as parents sometimes we might jump to the conclusion that they're coming to tell us because things are really bad but it's quite possible that things aren't bad and that they just want us to know they want to bring us into their world and and um, be fully known by the parent who loves them. So that um, that question can be the, the next level of um, interaction with your child or your, your grown adult um, in this scenario.
0: I love that. And Sarah, this basically, if I was boiling down our conversation, I'm like, okay, we when it comes to talking to our kids about sexuality we boil everything down to having some compassion for ourselves and for them because if this is not an easy thing for us to discuss or for them to discuss you know sometimes the parent is comfortable and the child isn't so we need to have some compassion and we start out by just talking to our kids about respect and letting them know that they are worthy of respect And doesn't matter. They are lovable, no matter who they are, what they look like. And also to teach them to respect other people in the world that way. Mm -hmm. And realize that our kids need our support. Whatever is happening, going through adolescence, through the teen years, the early 20-somethings, there's so much happening in their world. There's so much change. And sexuality is at our core, a big part of who we are. So they definitely need just our support and to know that we're there for them. Mm. And if we find that we have very different ideas, that we just use the same rules as we do for other difficult conversations, respect differences, learning to state what's true for us, listening without judgment or interrupting about what's true for them and their experiences. And in fact, so Mighty Parents, you know we're pre record So um, Jude Bijou is doing a show for us on communication and we're gonna talk about that. And I will make sure to link that in the show notes to give you more more detail and go on a deeper dive of how to have, um, actually resolve conflict. So that'll be helpful there. But then just, you know, if, if there are differences, whether it's differences in lifestyle or whether it's a difference in who they are versus who we thought they were going to be, if they are um, LGBTQ, if they believe differently about when and how sex happens than we do, just know that whatever those differences We love our child and that it's important to let them know that. So they have that emotional support, even as you work through living with the differences. And Sarah, that, that kind of, it gives us, I feel like it gives us a very solid place to be with our kids in terms of talking about sexuality with them.
3: I mean, what you've just recapped there, it just reminds me how parenting, there, there are core skills. And while some parts of parenting may feel more complicated than other parts, the core skills come to bat for us every single time. And you've outlined them so beautifully. And I love that you have someone coming onto the podcast to talk about, you know, communication and conflict, because those skills are the sort of the the heartbeat of conversations with our grown children about sexuality, lifestyle choices and sex.
0: Yeah, we'll make sure we get those two linked up on each other for the show notes. Um, If you go into show notes, folks, and it's not there yet, I promise it'll be coming soon. I'll, I'll try and get these out about the same time. But Sarah, for listeners who want to learn more about you, or I know that you actually have help for parents who are like, I can't navigate this by myself. I have no idea how to do this, or I'm just, I don't even think I can do this. Could you let them know where they can find you and get more help from you?
3: Sure. So my website is com, and there are a few different ways that I work with parents. I have a course and a membership. Um, for something like this, this particular topic we've talked about, it's probably better to have a one-on-one conversation because some of us, it's, it's complicated, right? And sometimes we just need someone who understands to be a listening ear to help us work out uh, exactly how to move our relationship with our children forward or to deal with the things in our past that have meant that um, our, our judgments or our beliefs around uh, these parts of being human get in the way of our connection with our child. So it's all over there on my website and um, I run a judgment-free service. So it's, as we have said over and over again in this episode, it's about compassion, not just for our child, but also for ourselves and not expecting ourselves to do more than we're capable of in the moment.
0: I love that. Well, thank you, Sarah, so much for joining us and for just candidly sharing insights and giving us some ideas and a roadmap that we can follow to love and support our child.
3: You're so welcome.
0: And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with another parent. We want to help every parent on their parenting journey. Thank you for joining us today and for being part of our Mighty Parenting community. Remember, you are a Mighty Parent. You got this. And I will see you next week.